Welcome everybody to episode 19 of the Neville Watchers podcast, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast where myself, Pete Beckett, has watched the films before, but I'm joined by Mr. Neville Watcher himself, Kurt Lewin. Hi. Hi Pete. How you doing mate? Yeah, really good, thank you. Excellent. So, Oh yeah, yeah, it's pretty late this time around, <laughs> so... Uh, might be some craziness um we'll see how that goes anyway so uh this time we are covering um for ragnarok uh, i don't know which film this is in the mcu third phase at the moment i think it's the sixth one right um possibly possibly yeah uh no it's the fifth one so uh we Anyway, so we'll go over the um, the returning and the new members of the cast to go over a couple of little uh, little things about the film, some trivia pieces, maybe, and then we'll actually nail in to um, into the film itself. So uh, we've got returning as four Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hiddleston as Loki, Idris Elba, El- Idris Elba as Heimdall. Um, you got Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner or the Hulk, and Anthony Hopkins as Odin. We've also got Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange, although briefly. Uh, the new members of the cast are Kate Blanchett, who plays Hella, Jeff Goldblum as the Grandmaster, Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie, Carl Urban as Scourge, and Taika Waititi as Korg. Um, film was uh, written by um, Eric Pearson, Craig Kyle, and Christopher Yost, and directed by Taika Waititi. So, just going to quickly go in uh, and ask you what you thought about this film, Kurt. Um, well, I really, really love this film. Um, no surprises. No. Um, so, I did hear from a lot of people that um, Ragnarok was one of the best, if not the best, in the whole um, MCU. And mm-hmm. I can definitely see why people say that now. And. I- even just the opening scene before you get like the opening um uh the title of the film come on the screen um like even that section was better than anything or the totality of um thor dark world (laughs) (laughs) oh yes it, it really is that opening scene is just 10 times better than that whole entire film um I have to agree with you, and I have to agree with most of the people who have watched this film. This is fantastic. It's one of the best movies in the MCU, and probably rightly so that people say it. So, uh, just to go into some uh, some stuff about the film, some trivia. So, director Taika Waititi said in an interview with MTV News, I would say we improvised about 80% of the film, or ad-libbed and threw stuff in. Now, it's not really a surprise to hear that at all. Um... Apparently, Sir Anthony Hopkins had decided to uh, decided against returning as Odin, but upon reading the story, changed his mind. Which, I mean, he's only a small role in that. To be fair, he kind of sets most of the story up, but I can understand why. Um, uh, before the sets uh, created for Doctor Strange were demolished, uh, director Taika Waititi took advantage of them by writing and filming a scene for the movie featuring more uh, for meeting Doctor Strange. Uh, Marvel and Doctor Strange director Scott Derrickson felt the scene was kind of perfect to show Strange joining the wider cinematic universe. Yeah. Uh, so the scene appeared at the end credits of Doctor Strange. Yeah. And you can see what I mean now by them actually just taking scenes out from, um, from other films, right? But they kind of change it. So, 
Uh, we can obviously get a bit more into it later when with that meeting, but obviously they have the joke at the end of it that wasn't featured in Doctor Strange. So, uh, shall we get into it? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we. The first opening scene is kind of just setting. It's a big. It's a big part of the plot, really. Um, mm-hmm. It's showing Thor is being um, captured. Um, and we have the funny moment yep. with him um, being in front of Sir, his name Surtur, and yeah, um, and he's like dangling and keeps going around and around and saying, "Oh, just wait." <laughs> um, right. uh, I'm going to stop you there because, admittedly, his opening monologue is just funny enough, or is it on its own as well? I, was, I bet you're wondering why I got here. Ooh, falls in a cage, you know. It's like, oh my yeah. god, it's just, it's just brilliantly written like if you've watched anything else that Taika Waititi has done it's very his kind of comedy yeah I've, I've only seen one of his previous films which is um, what, we, what we do in the shadows yes yeah and fantastic. I can definitely see the the similarities in there yeah it's um, it's a very New Zealand humor like, and you can really tell that uh, especially if you've watched things like Flight of the Concords or um, uh, Wellington Paranormal and stuff like that yeah so, the, what I immediately noticed was I thought this is a new way of presenting Thor. Because I know in the previous films and in um, the Avengers films, he's had some like comedic moments. Mm-hmm. But to me, he's always been pretty straight laced and serious. Whereas, th- th- like in this opening scene, and I'd even argue throughout the whole film, he's always got. An element of comedy about him, and yeah, they um they definitely lightened his character up a, in yeah. a massive way. Like, I think they play. Um, admittedly, they sort of had to set the scene with the original four movie, and I guess having Kenneth Branagh there, who is a very classic director, would have that very serious tone to it. Um, we don't talk about for the Dark World because uh, at this point it doesn't exist, and you know they just. I think they needed to reinvent Thor because he was becoming kind of stale at this point. Yeah, because and this is I think the perfect a, way to do it. I think a great example is uh, later on in the film when he gets captured again by um, the the king yeah, of the, that the Grandmaster. Yeah, um, he well, yeah, when he gets captured and he's sat there in that um, chain to the chair. Mm-hmm. And he's being wheeled about, and he's um, being called the Lord of Thunder rather than like the God of Thunder. Yeah. And Thor's like, no, it's um, it's the God of Thunder, and it's like little quips like that. And I, th- I thought if this was in Thor, that if this exact scene was happening in Thor: The Dark World, he wouldn't be making these quips. Absolutely not. And you'd think after everything that he's gone through, surely he would have been more jovial at the start of his journey rather than at this point. Yeah. But it seems weird, but I'm not going to deny it because it works very, very well in this film. And I think the tonal change definitely helps with his character. Definitely, yeah. He has seemed to have forgotten about um, his um, late girlfriend on Earth. Oh, don't you don't you know? You know, 
you know, she she dumped him. No, he dumped he dumped oh, her. Yeah. It was a mutual dumping. Ah, uh, yes, I remember that. But part, he has that no. moment. Has yeah. that moment with um, Loki. Yeah. That was just a weird scene in, yeah. in its own right. Anyway, don't know why. Right, it's there. One thing I probably would like to pinpoint right at the beginning because I do think it's um, relevant from the very beginning is that as much as I really love this film. Unlike a, f- a few of the others, particularly Spider-Man, that's, that's a perfect example, but even a few of the others, um, I think you really do need to know about the previous Thor films and possibly even some of the other Marvel films as well to really appreciate this. I like, think if you had watched um, the original Thor, then the Avengers, and then Age of Ultron, and then gone into this, you could be, you'd be okay with that. But yeah, if this is the first experience of four, it'd be very odd, to say the least. Well, even even if it was your first experience of the MCU, like I think, because after the um, Spider-Man Homecoming episode, I told my dad to go and watch the film because I think he'd like it, and he's got no knowledge of the MCU. Um, and and he he really enjoyed it. Like he 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 still enjoyed it despite not having that knowledge because I I don't think it's that important to that film. Whereas in this one, I think there is a significant amount that you would be missing in terms of the story. Yeah, I mean it's it's nice of the film to at least summarize the end of For the Dark World, so people don't have to go back and watch that film, which is. I mean, it's played for comedy, obviously, with the scene that you know Loki's putting on the yeah. performance. Who you know, one of one of the actors is Matt Damon. Yeah, and one of the actors is, I believe, Liam Hemsworth, which is uh, <laughs> Chris Hemsworth's brother. So, and it's you know, it's I do agree with you. You do have to have knowledge of of the character to understand where he's got to at this point and why he is the way that he is. Whereas, yeah, Spider Man, it's just like a you could watch it as a standalone experience and still enjoy it. Uh, some of these other films, I think Doctor Strange can be like that as well, but then it gets towards the end and you hear about the Infinity Stones and it does pique your interest to maybe want to go and watch more. Yeah. So probably the next point would be uh, that I want to bring up is when we see Thor and Loki, um, they go back to Earth um, to find yeah. um, their father. And... Yeah. Um, we have the moment with them outside of the retirement home. I don't know why Loki decided that would be a good place to leave him, but... I mean, he did say that there was at least a nursing home there before. Yeah. Um, But like I said, obviously, before... Go go on. Yeah, I was going to say, is it insinuated that it was Odin who was responsible for um, the damage that had been done to that home? I actually don't know and maybe it's more to do with the um the rebuilding of new york still possibly after the the battle of new york from 2012 could still be stuff going on there you know obviously it was brought up in spider-man homecoming where weapons were being created what one of the things that you don't understand as well is that whilst they're not connected the marvel tv universe which had like uh, which had the netflix show daredevil and Defenders, Jessica Jones, they did technically incorporate the same world so it could 
be stuff that's related to that too. I don't I don't know if I'm honest. And then after that we Loki gets snatched away by Doctor Strange and this is where we have the um the scene that you mentioned earlier with Doctor Strange. Um it was good to see him him back. Yeah, I agree. And um I think it's I think the scene's decent because it shows in the short amount of time that you've had in between Doctor Strange the film and this how much of his powers have really come along. Yeah. Like the fact that he's able to move his portal now like his the spell like that creates the portals, he can move them on his own free will now, which is quite interesting. Also the whole I've been falling for thirty minutes joke is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I think the delivery just kills that line, for, for, like for that reason. It's just it's brilliant. Uh, so and well, Doctor Strange opens up a portal to allow them to go to Norway, which is where Odin mm-hmm. is, and this is mm-hmm. where we find out about his daughter, um, Hella. So I don't know. So this was something that confused me slightly as to why Odin never thought so yeah so he he had his this daughter and he basically imprisoned her on um so is it is it implied that because Odin never thought he was going going to die Mm -hmm. or not die for an extremely long amount of time that yeah. hell is never got was never going to be a problem. Yeah, but I think I thought he said that uh, as his pow- his powers are dwindling, so it means the spell is a lot weaker, meaning that she can escape. So surely he would have known that when he put the spell on, right? Uh, or sent her away. I don't know. It's just, well, I th- it is no, a I th- bit strange. I thought it was said later on in the film that um, when his when Odin's spirit dies, then she would be released. Yeah, which then means that an incantation has been put on that spell that means that so long as he's around and yeah. has power, yeah. she can't escape. So, yeah. surely he would know that once he dies, that spell would then cease to exist. Exactly. Surely surely he would tell Thor and, and possibly Loki, you never know, Yeah. that there is something that could happen once he dies. Yeah, but exactly. Well, it does, think, it does tell him, but in the, yeah, in just, the moment just before. before. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess this this is another thing that Fred's that harkens back to the original Thor movie where there was a lot of secrecy between all of them still. So I guess that's just the way of the gods. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is a kind of a little bit of a plot. It's a nit. It's a yeah. nitpick if... if yeah. Um, I also would say that later on in the film, when we see um, Hella, she like destroys the ceiling, and you get to see the like the painting on the ceiling of, um, or more mural on the ceiling of um, mm. the story of how her and Odin brought about. Um, um, sorry, I can't remember what That's the right. name of the world. Uh, the, World what, Midgard. Midgard, yeah. Um yeah. like how they brought that to be and then it was only um when she basically got ideas above a station and that's when he decided to put put her in this prison. Like mm-hmm. he seemed to on those paintings be 
equally quite as violent um, as she yeah. was. Um, but I then think, I think that's what he says, doesn't he? Is that I think some there is a mention of obviously him covering up the past and going a different method, obviously where he tried to bring about peace rather than war. Mm. So him covering up those murals was clearly a way for him to try and you know keep the past in the past basically and try and move forward as a different kind of leader yeah so yeah we see um he hello introduced and what do you think of her as a villain i think she's pretty good she's pretty good i mean she's played very well by kate blanchett yeah um, she's an incredible actress anyway so she she brings power to any role she's in I think her design is kind of okay. I'm I'm not quite set on the CG sort of um, um, helmet sort of thing that she does, you know, when she's in battle. Yeah. I'm sure that's probably a harken back to the comics, so Oodles, please don't kill me if obviously that is the case. Well, it's it, just I think I think the CG stands out a bit too much in that instance. It it, it remind her helmet when she when she's got that on. It reminds yeah. me a lot of the um is it in is it snow white or sleeping beauty uh well, um, maleficent yeah yeah it's um, reminds it's, me of that yeah i i have design to yeah mm. so yeah I, I wasn't as sold on her design like that but when she's walking around like normally talking to her her new executioner like in those later scenes, I think it's fine. Like uh, the look is great, and you know, and but it's just the battle, the battle costume. I'm not exactly stoked on. And I found it really powerful when we when we're first introduced to her, and Thor throws his hammer at her, and she basically just mm. catches it. <laughs> yeah, it just and completely destroys it. Yeah, because at that so, point, I thought, crikey, what? How are they going to defeat her if she can just do that with Thor's greatest weapon? Yeah, and then it's also stated as well that the closer she gets to gets there, like gets to Midgard, then she just she becomes more powerful because she feeds off that energy. So yeah. if she can do that when she's just been released from this eternal prison, then my goodness, what's going to happen when she gets there? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we get introduced also to um scourge um mm-hmm. i'd probably say he is the weakest aspect of this film yeah but he does have that redemption arc later which is kind of cool so, but he is not the greatest character nothing against um but, well, Carl Urban who plays him it's not a bad performance it's just no. it's very i just thought it was like kind of dry and kind of a bit lacking well, I know he has the redemption arc, but I thought it was it was very easy, it was very telegraphed that that was was gonna happen from a very early yeah. on in the film. Oh well, yeah, they do telegraph it far too easily. I admit that, but I mean, it's just cool when he picks up his guns. It's, oh yeah, yeah, that yeah. It's just it's just odd that like all these like as guardians are just like taking people out with swords and that, and he just jumps off with like a couple of M16s. Yeah, and what what does he call them both? It was a funny. Oh, Destro- oh, is it? Destro- oh, what? Not destroy. Annoy me. No, it. Oh, it comes up with a word, doesn't it? And I can't remember what it is, and I'm really annoyed that I forgot that. <laughs> anyway, 
Yeah. You can't focus on that too long. No, that was funny though. But yeah. Um, um, if if we don't remember, please tell us in the comments. Yeah. Um, Thor gets uh, deposited on an alien planet called Sakaar. Yeah. Um, uh, and this is obviously this is when um, him and Loki and Hitler are, um, are using the Bifrost and they get flung out of it on, yeah. on their passage to Asgard. Yeah. And we're also introduced to um, the Valkyrie at this point. Mm. Um, yeah. And I really liked her character in this. Valkyrie is like probably my favourite character in this entire film, apart apart from possibly one other that we'll we'll touch upon later. But in terms of main device for the plot, she's definitely one of my favourites in this film. Mm. I'd probably only question that I thought that she decided to. She she seemed pretty adamant that she wanted nothing to do with um, Midgar anymore. And I sorry, I have to say Asgard. I got it wrong. Earlier. Oh, sorry. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> sorry. I, I've no. I noticed obviously that I I did it earlier, so I have to correct myself now and just say yeah, it was Asgard. Right. Well, she, yeah. Anyway, she seemed pretty against. Uh, well, she wanted to have nothing to do with Asgard anymore and her past. Um, she's. Mm-hmm. But then I did think she seemed to switch pretty quickly, um, to wanting to help Thor, and. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like it's probably the only criticism I have is that she did. Yeah, she was very, very adamant. Obviously, for trauma that she wasn't going to go back and help, um, help for in any way or Asgard at all. But she just, she did change her mind pretty quickly. But yeah, and I didn't I think guess... it was explained very well as to why she had no, that change I guess, of heart. I guess the only thing that I can say is that just seeing the sort of brutality that the um um the grandmaster was all about eventually after she stopped drinking for a little bit maybe that was becoming a bit more clear to her i don't know it's flimsy at best and it's me trying to make an excuse for the film if that's the case uh so we go back to asgard and we see what um ella's trying to do like we're mm-hmm. probably not too much more to say about Hela now until the end of the film because any more yeah. any scenes with her back on Asgard are basically just showing her her preparations really and yeah. how evil okay. she is. I think what we should do quickly summarize the vast like not the majority of them but the mostly the key ones. So it's like she appoints the executioner scourge, doesn't she? Yeah. Um. She then uncovers the mural, which we've basically already spoken about, and then she chases the Asgardians, led by Heimdall, into the into the caverns. I think, and that was it. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, we're up to speed up to speed with that. Uh, I will say just about those scenes quickly that you always knew Heimdall was the one that was helping these people, and it was kind of obvious. But his his reveal when he does show up, still cool. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll move on with for the main four story basically in this part now. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's captured, um, and he, by the Grandmaster, and he wants mm-hmm. Thor to be well. It's not that he wants; he is um, demanding um, that Thor is a, um, I suppose, a warrior in. Yeah, he's a gladiator. Yeah, basically. gladiator. Um. 
Can I just bring one thing up quickly here? Yeah. And this is probably my biggest gripe and probably one of my only gripes about the film. Here's the God of Thunder. Yeah, a tiny little electroshock manages <laughs> to make knock him unconscious. Yeah. And stop him. I know obviously he's he's lost without his hammer. He believes that Mjolnir was basically the for, the source of his power and all that, and that's kind of the point of the, the the story that goes through. It is still kind of dumb, though, because surely, like, even without realising it, the electricity is surging through his body, and it shouldn't a- actually make any effect on him whatsoever. Yeah. Hey, no. I, I might be... Ni- this might be the biggest nitpick of all time, but it was something that I looked at, and I went, is this supposed to be just solely for comedy? Well, I suppose so. I think it must be. Yeah, and I have a problem in terms of the, the, well, theme, is the it... themes of obviously him as a character then. But funny joke, but yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, I suppose but... as well it's um, a controlling device because they'd have to come up with some other method of keeping him in check. Yeah, that's true. I guess it's probably the easiest and simplest way to try and do that, isn't it? Yeah. Um. The so the Grandmaster, um, I really like him as um, a character. Um, I mean, he he is all right. Yeah, it's just I I guess it's just get Jeff Goldblum just being allowed to riff for a bit, and it's it works for this film because it's just wacky and sort of all over the place. So it fits his him very well, to be fair. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. I think when you were saying earlier about how you, how a lot of the film was um, like in, improvised, um, mm-hmm. I think you could definitely tell it with um, his character. Uh, with him, and I guess with Korg as well, which we'll talk about in a bit. Like you can tell, though, most of those lines are probably ad libbed. Yeah, well, thought Korg is um, kind of the next character we're introduced yeah. to. Um, okay. So. And yeah, I really... Is this the character that you said was possibly a favourite in the film? Oh yeah, he's played by the director Taika Waititi and he's just... He's so funny. He's like... His lines his lines and his delivery are just genius. They're like absolutely perfect. Like the whole... Um, oh, I have um, I was the leader of a revolution once. I just didn't print up enough pamphlets or, or leaflets. Yeah. It's just unbelievable like the really dry like wit and it's it's perfect it's so funny yeah like, he's kind it, of just steals it, every scene that is in absolutely it's like hey uh we're leading a revolution do you want to join us yeah and sorry my new zealand accent is absolutely <laughs> awful but you know it's just it's oh, i can't do it it's just so funny like everything he said is just pure gold yeah um so the next big part of the film is the reveal of um, the so-called champion as the Hulk. Yep. God damn, I wish this wasn't spoiled in trailers because this is pro- this could have been the best reveal of all time. For me, it and was. And they ruined I... it for a, like Yeah. So, yeah, you, you managed to get away with the fact that you didn't see any promotional material for this, but Hulk was plastered across it all. And it was annoy. It was kind of annoying because it's a great reveal. Yeah. Had they not revealed it in their own trailers? Yeah, I c- yeah. Well, yeah, and I didn't even know that that was revealed. 
in the marketing either. So I, would, I didn't uh, think he would, which is why I brought it up. I was anticipating that um, everyone would have had this reveal for themselves. Mm. So yeah, it's a big shame it wasn't. Cause yeah, it, who uh, did you think it could be though? If you, well, I just thought it was just going to be some random alien thing. Oh, what, like a massive, like, Worm like awesome things it. that we've seen in, like, we've seen in For the Dark World, that huge, like, ogre or whatever it was. Yeah, or just something. absolutely pounds to death in one hit. Oh, yeah, or something like in the beginning of the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 when you've got that pink oh, yeah, octopus yeah, thing. Yeah. I just thought it was going to be something like that. That would have been, that would have been pretty cool, but I think this is probably, this is good. Oh, no, this, this is been, ten times better yeah. than that, I think. Um, yeah. Because it plays I mean, into I... the plot, and I, I remember as soon as he, I saw mm. him, um, I remembered back to the Avengers film when he, um, we, we wonder what's happened to him, because he just yeah. go, he just goes off in the ship. Um, mm-hmm. So then it was nice to have that feeling of things clicking in my head of s- something that had happened in a previous film impacting this one um yeah so yeah it was a really cool reveal all all around yeah i think it was as well even though obviously marvel couldn't ruin their own ruin their own promotional material but it does definitely like make sense in terms of the larger larger world that they've been building that he would make a return eventually but you just didn't know when and i think this is the best way for this to happen because i mean it does harken back to an old comic um uh, run from Hulk called Planet Hulk, and I think that I think it was good that they incorporated that into it as well. So, and that design of his costume is is classic as well, and it's it's really well done. His gladiator outfit, yeah. Um, and I did find it kind of weird. So after the big fight between them both, um, mm. it's kind of weird to see Hulk talking in a normal way and stuff yeah, like, like although, normal face expressions <laughs> yeah albeit very weird obviously because you're not used to it and so I, I didn't I, and I didn't the, really get how it could be because the whole thing with Hulk is that he turns into the Hulk when he's angry yeah um, but it seemed as if like he'd like equally how um, Banner had managed to manage his emotions so that he could control his anger in previous films. Yeah. It was like now he's done it in the opposite direction so that once he became Hulk, he could make sure he was at a constant state of angerness to keep yeah, him as Hulk. But... but then you see stuff like when he has the interaction with um, the Valkyrie mm-hmm. and is like laughing and joking with her. Yeah, I think this is what this is trying to do is trying to clearly cement that this is like a very much a Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde sort of thing with Hulk and Banner. Obviously, is that one person can take over at one point, and they're trying to separate the characters in some sort of way. I think to show that they are two very different um, individuals, despite inhabiting the same body. It's, but I think. I don't want to say more about that. There, there, there might be something else that happens with that later on down the line. So I don't know if we can continue this conversation. Okay, fair enough. Um, 
So, eventually, after, yeah, after the fight, the fight between them both, and mm. they're kind of getting on um, to some yeah. extent um, in like Hawks headquarters. Um, yeah. But then eventually, Thor, and well, sorry, the Hawk agrees to help Thor yeah. and try and persuade, and Thor tries to persuade the Valkyrie too as well, and mm. eventually she agrees. Um, and because Thor goes out to the Quinjet and mm-hmm. that Hulk brought to Sakaar, um, but it's basically it's too damaged. Um, so then they come up with the solution of um, using that other ship, whatever that one is called. Um, They're basically going to steal the ship off of the Grandmaster. Yeah, and go through which, the um... Devil's Anus. Oh, this is where things start getting gross, isn't it? <laughs> it's like that that party ship is apparently really gross, and it's for his orgies, and yeah. they're going through a devil's anus, and it's like, okay, all right, yeah, I, we're gonna I get can... all the really weird kind of jokes in here at this point. I was thinking when they said about um, the orgies, I was thinking if there's any kids that have been to see this film, uh, have. I feel, oh. I feel, I feel for the parents who the, there must have been some kids out there asking mum and dad what what's an orgy. Oh my and god! And they'll just have to say, oh, it's just another word for a party. Oh, I can imagine that conversation being really awkward. Yeah. Oh my goodness! If we had anyone who actually had to take had to answer that question, yeah. please let us know. I'd really want to know. It's definitely happened somewhere. Oh, of course it happened. I just I dread to think what how they managed to get their round <laughs> their way around that one. So mm. please let us know. I'm so curious. Um. So yeah. Um. That's what they're trying to do from now on. Um, yeah. So, but it's at this point, isn't it, where um they get into the Quinjet and now Hulk is Bruce again. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you find out that he's obviously been the Hulk for two years. Mm. Uh, I think he goes into a bit of a thing, doesn't he, where he says like this, which is what I was saying. He sort the Hulk sort of took over, and he didn't know how to push him back, basically. Yeah, and he just he doesn't know if obviously he turns into the Hulk, like if he's ever gonna be Bruce again. Mm. And it was after seeing um, uh, Black Widow, wasn't it, that caused him to transform back. Yeah. Um, so, I feel that's fair enough. I mean, it's a good callback to Age of Ultron, even though I don't want to remember most of that movie. Yeah, and I remember we criticised the relationship between them. Exactly, but yeah, we'll, we won't go any further with that one then. Um, so, oh, and we team back up with Loki now. Yeah, and... well, he, he sort of... Was, he was sort of doing his own thing, really, wasn't he? He was just trying to uh, mingle in with the Grandmaster, and then as soon as he saw Hulk, he was like, "Right, I gotta leave." Yeah. Uh, I didn't really get <laughs> did, what I he did... was trying to do. What his plan was, though. I don't know. It's just, I guess, it's Loki just being Loki. Hopefully, he can manipulate enough people to be finally get in charge. Yeah. Um. Mm. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Eventually. Um, he s- starts working again with Thor, but uh, yeah. as well, he's also about to backstab him. But Thor anticipates that and yep. um, leaves him um, after like shocking him with that 
um, electrifying device. Um, yeah, which would work on Loki, maybe not a god of thunder. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, but then Korg arrives with his slaves, um, leading yeah. the um, rebe- rebellion. Yeah, yeah, but remember, revolution. he doesn't want to call them. Remember, he doesn't want to call them the S words. Uh, sorry, that was obviously the grandmaster. The grandmaster, says it, yeah, he? yeah. Yeah, the grandmaster says like we don't call him the S word. Like, what, what does he call them in the end? Um, I don't know. It's just something really like weird yeah. again. It's but still. Um, yeah, Loki takes leadership of um, of the Korg's group of slaves and steals yeah. a large ship with them. Um, mm-hmm. Thor, Valkyrie, and Banner. They go back to Asgard after going through the Devil's Anus, and yep. um, Hela begins an assault on the fortress where um, I'm Dahl is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the Asgardian people have yeah. managed to make their way into the catacombs, or the caverns, or wherever they are. Yeah, Thor goes off to um, have a fight back in the throne room, um, yeah. whilst. Valkyrie and uh, Banner are trying to help the civilians escape by the um, Bifrost. Yeah, and Banner's not really helping, if we're all told. No, until he transforms into the Hulk. Yeah, because there's this, this whole big thing with Valkyrie, obviously, when he's Hulk, and it's like, she quite likes Hulk, and then she can't quite figure out who Bruce is, and then he's like, suddenly he's just like, this is who I am, and he just dives off it straight onto the onto the Bifrost bridge and just smacks it. Yeah. And you think he's dead. And it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's right in front of the giant wolf. It's really weird. Uh, and then, yeah, it's basically, the this is coming toward, well, it is the finale of the film where it's yeah. uh, such a, a big fight with... You've got the action with Hela and Thor taking place, and then yeah. Banner fighting. Well, you've got the the undead uh, army of people, um, yeah. and which Banner, Valkyrie, and Hulk are all tackling, and the some of the Asgardian civilians are fighting back as well. Yeah, including Heimdall as yeah. well. Um, and like there's the eventually Loki comes with his big ship and like floats it at the side of the bridge. Um Yeah. And that that's also the scene for where Scourge um like has his moment. Yeah, and then dies horrifically. Yeah. Uh, in amongst all this, Thor is overpowered by Hela and he, and she strikes him across the face cutting out his right eye um, yeah and then um, she then makes a comment about how much he looks like dad now mm. uh, and he has like a he like goes into another world where he is met with Odin again and who tells him I... that Asgard is not a place it's a, it's a people so I knew yeah. and at, at this point I did anticipate that Asgard was going to get destroyed and that would be I okay. They had sort of telegraphed that that was the case. It was going to be the case, and also based on the whole idea that stri- like they set it up straight away that Hela's power is drawn straight from Asgard. So the only way to destroy her is to destroy Asgard. 
Yeah, I guess, and and they'd already set this up like pretty well in the first you know few minutes of the movie with um, I can't remember the name of the beast that he takes down uh, for, and he brings the skull back. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, he basically prophesized Ragnarok, and it basically comes to be at the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, that reminded me a lot of Doom when he. Uh, yeah, it definitely did. And also, I don't know if you noticed this, but yeah, there's a moment. You have the moment when um, Scourge, um, he's got his two guns and he jumps off the ship, and there's yeah. a short moment when he's stood atop um, a little like mound of. Um, like a mixture of dead bodies and um, like armor and very, yeah. like rubble and stuff, and it really reminded me of the original Doom box art. <laughs> and I don't yeah, know whether that was intentional or not. I don't think it probably was, but hey, if it if it was cool, <laughs> I like it. But yeah, I mean. So yeah, we we come back to obviously that he finds out that you know, uh, Asgard is a people, not a place, and then he he then says, "What are you, the the god of hammers?" Like, and he basically oh, says yeah. to him that he's not, he's not, he's for God of Thunder, and he doesn't need a hammer, and then he suddenly awakens all this power within him. Why? What, what I want to say about this, as cool as a scene as it is, and the music is incredible. Yeah. Obviously, they'd used it already in the opening part of the movie that, this, this part was... gave me like the hairs on the back of my neck stand up oh it it did with me as well right but there's one small thing about it right so he awakens his power like properly hits hella once and then goes and takes everyone else out rather than focusing just on her everyone else has got it covered so, small mit, very small list of nitpicks, honestly. But I, there was just something I noticed this time around watching. I was just like, why isn't he just putting the pound on her? To be honest, like, why wasn't he just finishing the fight? Well, I thought that she was even more powerful than that. So she would, even if he did focus all of her energy, or oh, sorry, all of his energy on her, she still would have survived it. She probably would have done, yeah. So maybe it was kind of a distraction tactic. Um, cause yeah, eventually she gets killed by, um, doom monster. Um, let me find big his old, name. Big old <laughs> monster. Um, it's, uh, uh, Serta. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just looked at the cast list and saw it there. I was like, but yeah, I did like the bit where obviously Serta comes out. It's like Ragnarok is a, is upon us. And then Forge, uh, Hulk just tries to take him down. Oh yeah. What? Big monster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's uh, well. Yeah, after that, once um, Hell has been taken down, we see mm. Asgard get destroyed whilst what? everyone is going off in the ship. Yeah, with one classic last line from Korg as well. It's like the foundations might, might oh, still yeah. be intact. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It could be rebuilt. Oh, never mind. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. Oh jeez. Um post credit sequences in this one? Um trying to remember. One of them was obviously a big sh- it was sort of like they're on the ship. Oh yeah. The new Asgard ship and now a big ship has appeared yeah. behind them. Mm. 
Uh, this sets up another movie. We'll not tell you what the movie is yet. So this isn't a ship we've seen before? No. Right. Oh, wait, no. We have seen it before, but maybe not quite like this size. Right. Okay. Like this up close and personal. Mm. Okay. But I'm not going to tell you who it is because it will become very apparent at the beginning of another movie later on down the line. Um, and then the other post credit scene is the Grandmaster um, being faced down oh, by yeah, the slave. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was okay, I guess. I suppose it wrapped up the Grandmaster story, really, doesn't yeah. it? Okay, so... Uh, do you want to give some final closing thoughts and a rating on this one then? Well, it's a definite 5 out of 5 and probably my favourite so far. So, this mm-hmm. Phase 3 is going pretty well so far. So, I think I've already had like the past three films have been my new favourite. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I think a big element of it was the comedy element um, throughout. Um the script was just pretty much perfect. The plot was um, really, really good, really well written. It was easy to follow, um, unlike previous Thor films. Um, and just every character, there was just no no characters that weren't at a minimum of great. Mm. Um, and even though we have brought up some criticisms, they're very minor. Um, like yeah. very very minor and they don't spoil the film in in any way the special no. effects were fantastic it had got great scenes like with the the well for me personally the reveal of hulk and then the the fight in the gladiator arena that happens mm. um, i've always enjoyed looking at asgard um as a cgi spectacle um and so yeah just mm. fantastic yeah, um, I'm going to mostly mirror those, except my rating is not going to be a five. Um, as, as close, I'm going to give it as close as it can get to that. So I'll give it a, a 4.75, so basically four and three quarter stars, let's say. Because I, it's just those little minor nitpicks for me are the, o- the only reason why I can't give it a five. And no film is perfect, let's be honest. Well, no. And so. But this is as close as you're ever going to get for me, personally. I think the direction they went with Thor just changed the game for him, and it made me a lot more excited to see what was going to happen with him going forward, whereas with the previous two movies, it was sort of like, eh, I'm not really fond of Thor as a character. Now, like, he very much is in the fold yeah. as being one of the top guys, like, and like now, the top gals, you know. So I know that there's another Thor coming up, Um and I, I'm hoping. What you mean, one that's been revealed? Yeah. Okay. And I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that we can have had this, um, this podcast series of the films wrapped up, so I can go and see it day one. Because it's oh, been, so, it's been so. directed by, is it by, the same director again? Uh, yeah, it's Taika Waititi. Yeah, so it's like I've got to see it day one. So. It, Oh, I really, I really do want to see it day one as well. So we'll hope, that, fingers crossed, we can be wrapped with most of the episodes before it comes out. I, we could do um, a, I come down to London and do a live, live. Um, that that would be great. Mm. I would actually, I would love to do that. Mm. Well, when is it out? 
next year. I don't know. I'm not. I, I I don't know if it's next year or the year after. I'm really not sure at this point. It's so got a I'll name. Check hasn't it, it up, and I'll let you know. Yeah, I I don't know if I want to reveal the name. Oh, right, okay. Because yeah, I don't know if it's. I think make I have seen I have seen it what it's called, but it didn't mean anything to me. But anyway, sure. Um, uh, uh, my yeah, only so... last question for you would be: Was this your? Or maybe you don't want to say at this point, but is this your favourite one? Uh, so far, yes. This is probably my favourite film uh, in the MCU. Right. Cool. Uh, yeah, so do you want to let everyone know where they can uh, give us a follow? Yep. Um, so we're on Twitter, we are at Neverwatchers. Um, and if and if you want to email us, it is um, the Neverwatchers at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to follow never me, watch, never sorry, never watches podcast at gmail. Oh, sorry. I should really no, it's fine. I should really write this down for you. So uh, you have it in front of you. My mistake. No, it's my fault. Um, and um, uh, on Twitter, I am at angry underscore Kurt. Cool. So uh, yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Pete Beckett one, which is spelled B E C K E W T, and the number one. So next time we are going to cover uh, the twentieth. Uh, on our 20th episode would be Black Panther one that is um, uh, I don't want to say much about it, it is um, divisive to say the least Okay. And I do I'm remember explain why it's divisive. I do remember there being um, a lot of talk around this film when it came out okay so yeah we'll get we'll definitely get into all of that on the next episode for sure because I think it does it may affect some of the film for some people it in some ways maybe some positive maybe some negative but we'll, we will get into that properly on the next episode so until then uh, we will see you next time all right bye bye